Well, the Wagga Wagga by-election on Saturday was a shocker for the Liberal Party. Almost a 30% swing against the government in a Conservative seat that they've held since 1957. Independent Joe McGurr, the former head of emergency at Wagga Base Hospital, is looking likely that he will win the seat. And the result also puts state Labor closer to victory at the election just six months away. And today, in what seemed a slap for Premier Gladys Berejiklian from her deputy Premier, John Barillaro said the government needed to, quote, get out of the $700 suits and get real with the voters. That was a story written by the Daily Telegraph state politics editor Anna Caldwell, and she joins us on the line now. Hi, Anna. Good afternoon, Miranda. So bad results for the Premier, a 28% swing against the government in a Conservative seat. How's the Premier taking it? Yeah, that's right, Miranda. It, it is a big swing. The Premier's disappointed. Her strategy team are disappointed. Um, this is something they were prepared for. You know, they, they briefed quite heavily um, in the lead-up to, to the by-election that they were worried about it. The Premier said it would be miraculous if they could win. But there's a difference between, I think, being prepared for a loss and receiving a loss of that scale. Um, you know, a 30% swing against you in a seat that you've held for almost 60 years, coming third behind an independent and Labor in primary vote um, is quite a blow. Yeah. So what went wrong? Was it how much was it federal? How much down to the out of town candidate or the allegedly corrupt former member? Or is it Mm. something to do with the government itself or Gladys Berejiklian herself? Look, it is absolutely a little bit of all of those things. Um, It's been quite interesting listening to the Premier over the past 48 hours. Uh, She's identified three different um, three different reasons for this loss. But what's particularly interesting, I think, is the way that she shifted blame over the course of that 48 hours. Mm. So um, the, the first approach by the Premier and her team was very much to blame Canberra for this loss. Um, you know, we saw that on the front page of the, of the Sunday Telegraph on Sunday. Uh, you know, she, she's also the whole time talked about the disappointment with the former, the former member there who was caught up in a corruption scandal. Um, and then on the Sunday when she came out to address the media following the loss, she did say partly, look, I take responsibility for this. Still in that press conference, she talked about Canberra and she talked about the former member as being problems. However, today when we saw her, she very much, very strongly took ownership of the loss. She said, you know, I'm going to listen to people. This is a message to our government. We understand that. And she didn't mention Canberra once. Now, Miranda, that's because the Premier has had feedback Um you know, from a range of places to the effect that um, saying that blaming this on Canberra really only serves to make the government look arrogant and look like it's not listening. So mm. I think they're going to try very hard to um, look like they're taking these results on board. Well, in effect, Anna Caldwell, that was what John Barillaro, the New South Wales Nationals leader, told you in your front page story today, your exclusive interview with him, the Deputy Premier. Um, mm. He Was he blaming Gladys Berejiklian? It looked like he was without actually pointing the finger. Um, no, I mean, John Barillaro was very firm in saying to me, and this, he, this is in the story, he, he did say to me that he, he praised her leadership, believed she was the perfect person for the job um, in the times that we're in. 
John Barilara's comments were directed, I think, to 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 the Libs, to his own Nats. They were directed to, to to all government MPs. And what he was saying is, we need to do a better job of going to voters, listening to what their problems are, and then acting on them. He said, this idea of checkbook politics, this idea of rolling into town and acting like we know best, is not the answer. We need to ditch our seven hundred dollar suits. We need to connect with voters. Now, I guess you could say that is having a go at the premier because the premier leads the government. But Mr Barilaro was very clear in saying he wasn't attacking Gladys, but he believed the way forward was to do a much better job on the ground connecting with voters. But interestingly, he was nowhere to be seen in Wagga on Election Day. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it was a very interesting dynamic, the way this played out behind the scenes between the Nats and the Libs. Mm. Um, you know, the, the Nats wanted to run in that seat. They felt that they had a natural affinity with the people. They felt they could do well. Um, however, the Libs wanted to, you know, they wanted to they wanted to keep the power. They wanted to run in the seat as well. Um, Mr Barilow backed out um, and allowed the Libs to run because he wanted, he believes that disunity is death. He didn't want to have a fight with the Libs. So someone in his own team, um, think that he should have stood stood the ground. We've seen Michael McCormack say that he thought that he wanted the lips to run in that he wanted the Nats to run in the seat. Um, it is Michael didn't. McCormack's hometown, and yeah. he was telling reporters on Saturday that the vibes were good at the booth that he was at. Doesn't mm. that result reflect on him? Well, he got it wrong, didn't he? He definitely got it wrong. I think it's impossible to say for any of us whether the Nats would have won the seat. I think most people think they probably would have done a better job in holding it. But then remember the Orange by-election when there was a similarly enormous uh, swing against mm. the, the Nats in that case, and that was a mm. backlash against, uh, a lot of it was a backlash against the Greyhound decision. Yeah, correct. I mean, the Nats would say that they learnt from that. That would that would be their argument. Um, you know, the Nats the Nats very strongly say that this idea of of parading a conga line of ministers from Sydney through um, bush seats and bringing out the checkbook. Um, for, for, for promises that, frankly, aren't enough to excite the electorate, um, isn't the way to win a regional seat. It's interesting that you say that because the government threw $100 million of pork barrelling at the Wagga voters before the election, yet it didn't mm. seem to make any difference. Why was that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that says a lot, doesn't it? it it's, it's not for lack of um, promises, this, mm. this, this loss. I mean, but, but the thing is, quite frankly, as I said, the, the promises they were making didn't connect. They weren't things that people wanted. So there were things like they splashed a huge amount of money on a, a fancy concert hall. There were environmental projects that Environment Minister Gabrielle Upton went out there to announce. There was a freight hub. There was a car park at the hospital, which, to be honest, <laughs> the people of Wagga would expect anyway. You know, That's you're going right. to build a hospital, we expect a car park. So <laughs> in terms of promises, they just... They, they they weren't things that, that compelled people to go to the ballot box and vote for them. And how much do you think might be due to issues like the stadiums in Sydney? This is something Luke Foley had plastered all over Labor's, uh, you know, how to votes and their core flutes around Wagga. It was spending billions on stadiums in Sydney versus spending money on hospitals in the local area. Mm. I'm not sure that it's as simple as that, but I think the issue of stadiums goes to the broader problem, which is that the government has to battle the fact that it has a whole host of voters in the regions and in places like Western Sydney who feel like they aren't part of the New South Wales success story. So the government can crow about its economy. It's got the money to spend on stadiums. The economy is going gangbusters. It's building big-ticket infrastructure programs. But then you've got voters who sit in their 
dining rooms at home and feel like they can't pay their bills, the road's not fixed or, you know, their electricity bill is painful. Um, or their so speeding they, fines are killing them. Their speeding fines are killing them, exactly. So they feel like the, the success story isn't translating to their day-to-day life. So then when you see um, in Sydney the government talking constantly about things like stadiums, things like light rail, things that don't impact them and don't help them, you just enhance that disconnect. Mm. And so do you think we'll see policy or style changes from the government? It's just six months to the next election. Yeah, I mean, it is a case of watch this space at the moment. I think there's going to have to be some sort of internal reaction to this result. Um, You know, as we said in the Telegraph today, to fail to take it on board would be a huge mistake. It would be sleepwalking to to electoral defeat. Um, So I think there will be some sort of change. Um, What that will be, um, I think it's watch this space. I mean, you and I have both talked about um, the policy that that they've got on the table at the moment, the proposal to, um, which would see recreational fishers ban, banned in marine parks. Mm. Um, now, I think that's something that we can see them walk away from um, quite soon within within the next couple of weeks. I think we can expect that. It's getting a terrible backlash in the regions um, and I think it's too dangerous to take to an election. Mm, absolutely. Well said. Thank you so much, Anna Cole. Well, great to talk to you always. You too. Thank you. The podcast Faith on Trial looks into Hillsong both in Australia and the U.S. and takes both the listener and hosts on unexpected twists and turns in the story of Brian Houston and the singing preachers. There are two incidents involving Pastor Brian. The Australian journalists uncovered a litany of alleged criminal behavior in the megachurch. Financial gifts were being given to the leaders of the church. Listen to Faith on Trial Hillsong ad-free on Crimex Plus. Plus on Apple Podcasts today or wherever you get your podcasts.